Hello, and welcome back to Uncovered and Unheard. This week at a dig in Rome, we found a strange tablet that somehow fits into our USB port and began downloading audio files. For any of our new listeners, we try to find unheard historical audio that we use to tell ancient stories and to see how they connect to our modern lives. This week, we seem to have uncovered an ancient podcast from the Roman Republic, recorded around 85 BC. This podcast looked at the lives of Roman men and their great contributions to the empire. However, the episode we found seems to break from that tradition and tells the stories of three women from different social backgrounds within the Roman Republic. The topic of this uncovered history includes some troubling subject matter, so we would like to issue a trigger warning for any of our listeners uncomfortable with the discussion of sexual violence and assault. We hope you learned something from these women of the past that will challenge your view of the world today as well as allow you to see the stories that connect us in the past and present. We'll be back at the end of the episode to discuss our findings. Hello and welcome back to Keeping Up with the Romans. I'm your host, Pliny, and every week we look at stories of great men across our empire. However, this week, we're looking for something a little different for our listeners. Maybe you have sent in tablets and scrolls complaining that we never have enough female guests, so we've decided to invite three women from different walks of life to tell a story of their choosing. We know many of our listeners were excited for the continuation of our 12-part series on military camp life, but we hope you listen to our new guests and hear what they have to say. Our first guest is a slave from the household, Lucius. And this is her story. Thank you, Pliny. My name is Virginia, and I am a slave of high value. I am able to sing, dance, and I am very beautiful. My master came alone to the market one evening to pick out a female slave that he could show off to his fellow friends. To know exactly what he would be buying, all of us were led to a stand and presented naked. After close examining, he chose me for my talents and beauty and brought me to his home, his wife waiting for him. I could tell the instant that my master brought me there, she didn't like me, asking why he spent money on something like me. He treated me well and gave me a room to myself, unlike the other slaves here, that were all crammed into a small dark room with no beds. The next day, my master took me out to the city and showed off my talents and beauty to his friends. He did this for the next few days, making his wife more and more jealous. She began to try and have him to take her out instead of me, but he didn't want to, saying that he showed her off enough and wanted to show something new. One day, as I was getting ready to go to sleep, I overheard my master and his wife arguing. His wife was saying that he should sell me and pay more attention to her. My master didn't want that, though, and told her that I was of more value than she, and in a rage, he left the room. As I sat on my bed, I could hear my master's footsteps coming to my quarters until he entered my room. He pushed open the door and stood there with a fiery look in his eyes. I was shocked, seeing him, and asked if he needed anything, but without hesitation, he lunged at me. He took control of me and held me down to my bed. Not knowing what to do, I began to cry. He held my mouth closed and continued his deed. After that, things were never the same in the household, and I have never felt the same. My master still continues to do awful things to me to this day. I don't have a say in what he does to me because I am his property and he paid for me. I also deal with physical punishments from his wife, taking her anger out on me. I am in constant fear of what she will do next 
because the punishments keep getting worse. This is the first time I have been able to tell my story because my master keeps me hidden and away from the other slaves, as to not tell them of his treatment towards me. I know this is my fate, and I will have to deal with this until I am no longer beautiful and my master decides to get rid of me and buy someone new. Wow, what a story. Although most of the masters I know don't do things like that. Thanks for telling us. Up next, we have a former slave turned prostitute. This one's going to be good. Thank you for inviting me onto your show, Plenty. My name is Cornelia Mertes, but most people call me now. Like you said, I am a former slave, but after leaving my master's household, I had to find some means of supporting myself. There were limited job options for making an income, so I became a prostitute. The pay isn't that great, but I earn enough to support myself and my child. And I don't have many friends because my profession is, well, shameful and immoral to most. People tell me I mustn't use my body as a way to earn money and that I shouldn't enjoy the work that I do. But they don't shame my clients, they just shame me. I usually don't mind the work most of the time, but there are a few clients with some boundary issues and problems with inappropriate touching. I remember this one general, though. He... he was a frequent client of mine, coming to me every few days or so, which was flattering, I guess. He gave me quite a lot of money for my services, but he was... he was very aggressive sometimes, frequently leaving me with bruises around my wrists and neck. And there was this one encounter I've never told anyone about. I was walking from the market to the brothel one day, and he just came out of nowhere. He grabbed my wrist and dragged me into an alley. I tried to fight off his advances, but he was far too strong for me. No matter how hard I pushed at him, no matter how hard I resisted, he continued on, reaching for my toga and... Well, and that was that. After he was finished, he threw a few coins at my feet and thanked me for my service. But I said no, that I wasn't working at the time, that he'd have to wait until I was at the brothel. I remember saying no over and over again, but he ignored my pleas and did as he wanted. He left me in that alley to go on with his day, acting as if nothing happened between us, and I and I personally didn't want to go into work that day. But I needed the money, so I pretended everything was okay. Now, this wasn't the only time this happened to me, but his attack is the only one that stays with me. I think about it every day since it occurred. I am always in that alley. I can never leave that alley. Wow, there seems to be a pattern here with your stories, ladies. Although you're a prostitute, who knows the whole story? Finally, we have a wife of a popularist senator who will be sharing the last story of the episode. Although we all love stonings and crucifixions, I mean, they're entertaining. Names have been changed out of fear. My name is Octavia Tellius. My husband is a prominent popularist senator who's seeking support from his fellow senators to pass grain distribution reforms. We have a happy house with two children, and while my father arranged our marriage, I'm happy with my husband and seek to support him in his political dealings. I work very hard to ensure my family's reputation is untarnished and do my best to make any visitors in our home feel welcome. I will refer to my attacker as Quintus, and I wish for my husband to remain nameless, to keep any sort of speculation to a minimum. My husband is respected by his fellow senators thanks to his long military career and fair treatment of any legislation brought to him. He, however, needed support from other well-known politicians who were hesitant to support the grain reforms. We decided to invite Quintus into our home and have him dine with us so that he and my husband could further discuss the legislation. We made sure to welcome Quintus with the best food and wine we had 
and offered for him to stay in our guest quarters for as long as he liked. The first night we dined, and he and my husband debated the grain reforms at great length. Quintus was smart and charming, and he and my husband seemed to be becoming good friends and political allies. He surprised us when he turned to me and asked my opinion on the grain reforms. I had often read over the scrolls on my husband's desk and walked through the, the markets with my slaves, but no one had ever asked me, a woman, my thoughts on the laws that govern the Roman people. I admit, I was shocked and flattered by Quintus's question. The next day, my personal servant brought me a length of silk someone had gifted our household. The note attached showed it to be from Quintus as thanks for the meal and conversation from the night before. After that, Quintus began to become a regular feature in our home, always complimenting me and bringing us gifts. The week of Saturnalia, we hosted a great feast with many of my husband's fellow senators and their wives in attendance. After several hours, I stepped into the gardens to get some air, and I'll admit to hide from my guests for a bit. As I wandered, I heard someone begin to follow me. I rounded the corner and found myself trapped in a small alcove. I turned around to find Quintus standing there, staring at me. I greeted him politely and went to return to the house. He stepped into my path and grabbed my wrists. I knew the wine we were serving was strong, so I tried to laugh him off and push past him. He pushed me further into the alcove and began to tell me how much he respected my husband and how much he wanted to lend his support on the reforms. I was beginning to panic. He had not done anything to me, but he blocked my only exit and was still holding my wrist tightly, looking at me in a way that frightened me. He told me that while he did agree with my husband's reforms, he needed something more to ensure his support, something he wanted from me. He told me that he would wait and continue to send gifts until I had given it to him. He laughed at my fear and told me that it would be easier to secure his support now, rather than have the servants and slaves begin to wonder where and from who the master's wife was receiving such lavish gifts. He let me go and I ran back towards the party. I felt sick and conflicted. I was in a position to help my husband, but at the cost of my own body. I know Quintus will not stop pushing me, and he knows that there is little I can do to make him stop. I have heard stories of women killing themselves or their families killing them to preserve their honor, so I have no one I can talk to about my situation. I will not jeopardize my husband's political career by telling him what kind of man Quintus is either. I try to avoid Quintus as much as I can now, but it all just seems to be another part of his game. I hope it will end soon, but I know deep down I am trapped and will have to make an impossible decision before long. Wow, I'm surprised to hear similar stories from the three of you, but most Roman men I know out there would never treat a woman like that, unless she deserved it. Well, that's it for our episode today, listeners. Thank you again to our guests for sharing. Next week, we'll return to our regular episodes of Glory and Honor of Men. These are powerful stories. Things haven't changed much for women coming forward with their stories of sexual violence in the last 2,000 or so years. These women being brave enough to come forward and share their experiences must have been a huge risk. The host's reaction was eerily similar to the responses we often hear today, a lot of the not-all-men excuse and laughing off their trauma. I wonder if these women sharing on such a public platform created a sort of ancient Me Too movement or just resulted in threats and smear campaigns against them. It must have been some twisted comfort for many women of the ancient world to know that many other women went through the same things they did, regardless of their social or economic standing. 
Here's some data about different types of non-consensual physical acts. One in three women have experienced some form of sexual violence. 8% of rapes occur while at work, and 8 in 10 women have experienced workplace harassment. Rape is the most unreported crime in America, and the number of reports are continuously decreasing every year. This means that these figures may not be precise and should actually be higher, but there is not a clear way to determine that. However, these numbers go to show that sexual violence is a common occurrence in everyday life. If you or someone you know may have experienced any form of sexual or physical violence and harassment, please know that you are not alone and there are resources available. On campus, there is the Student Advocacy Resource Center, or SARC, that provides confidential support and will help you make decisions regarding your situation. There is also the National Sexual Assault Hotline provided by RAIN.org. You can visit their website by going to RAINN.org. We want to thank our listeners for tuning in. We hope you gained a better understanding of women's lives in the ancient world. Tune in next week for a new episode of Uncovered and Unheard.